Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Everybody, good to see everybody. Always good to be back in the great city of Beloit with my Central Christian family. Oh, yeah. And everybody, I'm just so excited. If this is your first time, or if this is your first time in a long time, you have caught our church in a crazy season. We got some crazy stuff happening here. First thing I want to mention today, say today. Today. If you got a program, today is Love Offering Sunday. And so what we're going to be doing today at the conclusion of the message, we got three worships. We've got three organizations that we're going to be giving to. The first organization is Relevant. Say Relevant. That is William Ruck's ministry to Japan. We've got a brother that is proclaiming the gospel to our brothers and sisters in Japan who have never heard the gospel before. So it's an amazing ministry. We're going to support him. Second, we have Families Fighting Addictions. It's a local ministry whose mission is to provide support education, and resources to those who suffer from addictions. And so we're going to be doing that. And then I am just so honored that the committee saw fit uh, to nominate my organization, A Ray of Hope on Earth, one more time to be uh, one of the benefiting organizations today. So you guys are going to be supporting us. And I just want to say thank you so much uh, for your support of us. Thank you. We will share uh, a little bit in the message uh, where your monies are going towards, and you'll see some of the kids who we serve. Amen? Amen. So that's the first thing. Uh, of course, if you're a visitor for the first time, the first time in a long time, we don't want you to feel free. We don't want you to feel that you need to give to that. We're just happy that you're here. Uh, but if the Lord moves you, we would love your support in those areas as we do a great work for the Lord. Next, say next week. Four-time World Series champion. Eight-time All-Star, Daryl Strawberry is going to be up in the house. It's going to be lit with a capital L for the young people that love that. And so, listen, here's a guy who is at the highest pinnacle of success, brought down by his own poor choices, and the Lord raised him up again. And now he is literally sharing the gospel all over the country. And so it's going to be an awesome time. You want to bring as many people as you can Next week, he'll be at all four services, and I just want to say, um, if you're particular about where you sit, you might want to come early. Yeah, because the people who uh, are not used to being here may not know that you typically sit where you sit, that they may be in your seat. All right, all right. It's okay. Amen. I hope y'all behave yourselves, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... For our first-timers, this is your first time or your first time in a long time, uh, you have caught us right at the tail end of an amazing series called Battle Ready. Say Battle Ready. Yeah, we've taken this theme from Ephesians chapter 6, where, where the Bible in Ephesians chapter 6, everybody encourages us to properly prepare for the fight that, we, that we're in, you know. And so I'm thinking, well, if we're going to be in a fight, you know what I'm saying, might as well put some Rocky on because at the end of the day, I, you know, I just, I'm just dating myself. I'm sorry. But every, everybody, I think 
um, that is so keen and is so keen and, and to the greatest pastor on the planet, Pastor Dave Clark. Yeah. And his infinite wisdom is out in the great state of Colorado right now, hanging out with family and communing with Jesus on a mountain, I think he told me, out there in the Colorado Rockies or whatever. He is so wise because not only is he doing that, but he made sure that he went out to the great state of Colorado to make sure that the Chicago Bears took care of business against those Denver Broncos last week. Isn't he awesome? What a great guy. What a great pastor. Now, for all of the Packer fans that's not clapping, my goodness, can you just love on us a little bit? Y'all won last week. Man, right? It's bad enough you beat us two weeks ago, and I wasn't here to hang out with you for the watch party, but that's okay. We'll get you in a few weeks. It's all good. Yes. But one of Dave's big ideas, everybody, if you haven't been here with us, one of his big ideas is, watch this, uh, you won't win a battle if you don't even realize and know that you're in a battle. I'm I'm, going to try that again on this side. You see, see, you won't win a battle. See, you thought the battle was against your husband. You thought the battle was against mom and them. You thought the battle was against your boss. But the battle isn't really about a person. This thing ain't physical, it's spiritual. And see, you won't win a battle if you don't even realize that you're in a battle, right? And so if that's the case, everybody, we need you to know that our commitment here at Central Christian Church is not just to inform all of you guys listening to this message today that you are indeed in a spiritual battle. It's not just to get you dressed, ready, and prepared for battle. Our commitment here at this church is we want to see the people of God. And the last time I checked, the people of God uh, is, is, is everyone listening to this message, either in person, online, or wherever you may be at this moment all over the world. Our job here is to see the people of God realize the battle, uh, get prepared for the battle, but ultimately, we want to see you win the battle that you're in. Yeah, we want to see you win. We want to see you win. What did Adrian say? Win. Win, Rocky, win. That's what we want to see. And so, everybody, just like Dave taught us last week, the ultimate battle, we need to let y'all know the good news is the ultimate battle, everybody, has already been won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus has already defeated the grave through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. And so, because he paid the price that we should have paid and we couldn't pay, we now have the ultimate victory and we spend eternity with heaven uh, with him because we choose to place our faith, hope, and trust in what he did for us on the cross. And so, as I say it, like Dave's been telling us for the last several weeks, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. If I could say it another way, if I could say it another way, Jesus, everybody, has already been victorious legally. He he just wants us now to experience that victory literally. God, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to try this out. See, Jesus is already, he's victorious. He won the battle legally. He just wants us now to experience that same victory in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, literally. Yeah, and so, yeah, and so, and so, in other words... What does that look like for us to do that, everybody? What we got to do is we got to stand firm. We got to hold the ground that Jesus has already taken for us, that Jesus has already won for us. But everybody, you got to understand that that too is a choice. 
Because just like Jesus didn't make us serve him, didn't make us trust him, didn't make us love him, right? That is a choice. We got to choose that, right? The second thing we choose is how we choose to fight the individual battles that we need to fight. How do we choose to fight that? And with what weapons do we choose to use to fight that battle? And so once we do that, when we fight the right way, uh, it puts us in position so that, say so that, we will experience those literal wins in our marriages. We'll experience those literal wins in our homes, in our finances, on our job. The same literal wins that we will experience is what he experienced legally. Is this starting to make sense? And so everybody, uh, for my note takers today, I think it makes sense for us to understand what it looks like if we're going to fight a battle, what does it look like for us today to choose your weapon? We better make sure we're choosing the right weapon, all right? And, 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 and I want to jump in right here at Ephesians chapter 6 when we talk about choosing your weapon. Look at verse 13. It says, therefore, say therefore, put on the full armor of God so that if the day of evil comes, is that what it said? No, it says so that what? When the day of evil comes, because guess what? It's coming, right? You may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. Somebody say stand firm. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Stand firm. Somebody say stand firm. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. And stand firm. Somebody say stand firm. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So see, here's my point, everybody. If it's true that through Christ, we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. If that's true, everybody, then how can we ever lose? Well, let me tell you how we can actually lose. The only way we lose is if we willingly give ground and give space back to the enemy that the, God, that the Lord of heaven has already promised and given to us. It's the only way we lose. I remember what happened back in the garden back in the day. You know, uh, Eve, did God really say you couldn't eat from that tree? You know, that tree from the knowledge of good and evil. Did he really say that? No, no, no. This is what he really meant. What he meant was, and that's what happened. We listen to the enemy or we lean on our own understanding instead of trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. And we willingly give away what God has initially given to us. And so, unfortunately, the enemy finds himself in spaces and places that he was never meant to be in. We've given away our schools. Yeah. Prayer went out and all hell came. Anybody got kids in school right now? You know what I'm talking about, right? We've given away schools. Again, we've given away our financial freedom. Uh, the average American is $38,000 in debt, $38,000, and that's up $1,000 from last year. $13.5 trillion, say trillion. That is the national deficit right now. Can anybody in the room count that high? That's a big old number, $13.5 trillion in debt as a country, Right? terrible. We've given away our financial freedom. And, and guess what? We've, we've given away our hearts. Because you do know the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart 
will be also. It doesn't surprise me, everybody, that our debt is as high as, as, high as it is because we're chasing after everything and everybody else but God. How do you know that? Guess what? Statistics say in today's society, there are more people out of church uh, than there are in it. I'm talking in today, today's society, there are more people that spend and find other things to do on a Sunday than come to church. Attendance across the nation is down. You think about the biggest churches you know, and they're having the same problems that the rest of us are having. How can we get more people in the seats to hear about Jesus? It's a whole bunch of other stuff to do than hang out and worship God on a Sunday. We're seeing it all over the, all over the, uh, all over the country. Giving away our schools. We've given away our finances. We've given away our hearts. We've given away our destinies. Yeah, because we've allowed Satan to take our eyes off of Jesus and onto the way of the world and on our own understanding. But I want to say to somebody in the room today, I came to declare that no more retreat, no more surrender. Everybody, it is time for the people of God and it is time for the church of God to stand firm. We got to stop giving away stuff that the enemy was never meant to be in. And guess what, everybody? It's not going to be easy because we just gave it away to the enemy. He ain't going to just give it back to us because we ask him nicely, would you please, sir, please, sir. No. We're going to have to fight. Come on, somebody say it's a fight. We're going to have to fight for it. But can I tell you something? If we fight the right way, we will be victorious. And I hope I got some people in the room who you say, you know what? It's worth the fight. Doggone it. Our schools are worth fighting for. Our homes are worth fighting for. Our families are worth fighting for. Our financial freedom is worth fighting for. Our hearts are worth fighting for. Our faith is worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. And so, everybody, when we talk about choosing your weapon, the big question, everybody, we need to answer this morning is what weapon will we choose to fight with? It's very key and us experiencing victory. What weapon will we choose to fight with? And so three things I want to give you because at the end of the day, if Jesus is our Savior, if Jesus is our example, I think it would make a lot of sense for us to make sure we know how Jesus fought and defeated the enemy so that we are equipped to fight and defeat the enemy. Amen? All right. So three things I want to give you before we go to brunch today. That is, number one, what weapon did Jesus use in battle? Number two, when did Jesus use his weapon in battle? But then number three, how did Jesus use his weapon in battle? All right, you got me? What weapon did Jesus use? When did Jesus use his and how did Jesus use his weapon in battle? All right, y'all ready to jump in? Here we go. Now, first is the what? All right, now, as we're standing and holding firm, the Bible says in verse 16 of Ephesians chapter 6, he says, in addition to all of this, Take up, somebody say take, the shield of faith, which is what you can use to extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil. Verse 17, and take, somebody say take, the helmet of salvation. And in the second part of that verse in the New Living Translation, it says, and take, somebody say take, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Somebody say take one more time. For my note takers, everybody, that word take literally means to pick up as needed to pick up as needed. And so when we're in a battle, the question is, what weapon do we choose many times to pick up 
as we need it. Uh, really quickly, uh, if you are in the room and you have had or you presently have teenage children, raise your hand. Yeah. Now, you want to talk about a battle. I don't know if I got some parents in here who you had a battle with some, hey, it was some teenage kids. All right. Your weapon of choice may look like this. I mean, you may, you may think about it. I'm saying you may think about it. I'm saying you may think about it, right? You may think to yourself, and me and my wife have had these conversations, you know, let's just blow them up. <laughs> let's blow them up. Listen, we can make some that look just like them. That's the fun part of it anyway. And at the end of the day, I mean, I mean we'll make some look just like them. Nobody will ever know, right? Okay, well, maybe not that. Or, or, or maybe, ladies, uh, when you're in a fight, uh, with your, yeah, with your husband, it looked like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One or two of you, one or two of you, yeah. And unfortunately for us men, when we in a fight, you know, our weapon of choice many times looks like this. Yeah. And, and here's the problem, everybody, with those weapons. Those weapons are weapons of our natural man. And the major issue, everybody, when we fight with natural weapons is, here's here's a teaching point, Uh, natural weapons uh, won't bring you victory in a spiritual battle. Thought I'd get a few more on that one. I'm going to try this out. Natural weapons won't bring you victory in a spiritual battle. Remember, we talked about we got to know you're in a spiritual battle. It's not against your husband, not against you. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, Right? Natural weapons won't bring you victory in a spiritual battle. And so Paul says, if you truly want to win, you got to, I got to, we got to make sure we're using the right weapon at the right time. And what's the right weapon? Well, it tells us in verse 17, the second part, he says, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Word of God. Somebody say sword. sword. Now, remember, we, we've been talking about uh, the, 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 the armor of God, right? This whole series is talking about battle ready. And if you haven't been here, I want to encourage you to go to centralwiretv.tv and check out all of the series that David's been preaching on. This has been phenomenal. But every single weapon, every single armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, you know, our feet fitted, right? Uh, the shield of faith. All of those are defensive armor, right? It keeps us uh, protected from the onslaught of the enemy. Uh, but the sword, right? it is the only offensive weapon that we have. And so everything else protects us defensively. But this puts us on the offensive. This allows us to drive the enemy back, right? And so, everybody, um, let's see what Jesus did in Mark uh, Matthew chapter 4, when he was in this same situation, it'll give us some coaching points. It says, and Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the Scriptures say, people don't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city of Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if... You are the son of God. Jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you, and they, won't, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, 
The devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kings of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. And then I love what Jesus says in verse 10. He says, bounce, Satan. You see it? See it? He said, bounce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. I got a baby. Yeah, yeah. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And watch this. Verse 11, the devil went away, and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Now, everybody, uh, did everybody catch the theme of that passage as I was reading it? Anytime the enemy came at Jesus with an issue or a trial or a temptation or a circumstance, Jesus fought him back by saying the scriptures say, right? He fought him with the word. Follow with the word. Notice he said every time the scriptures say. Notice he didn't say what Oprah said. Notice he didn't say what Steve Harvey and Kevin Hart said. Notice he didn't say what my mama said. Yeah, yeah. Notice he didn't say what my crazy uncle or my coach said. Yeah, watch this. Notice Jesus didn't fight the enemy by how he was feeling. Notice Jesus didn't fight the enemy by what he was thinking about his opinion about the situation. No, no. He, he didn't fight him with that because guess what? That stuff is the natural stuff. And that's the convenient stuff. And that's the stuff that's just kind of laying around in our past when we grew up. You know, the stuff we can just grab because it, 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 it's just a natural thing for us to do. Uh, really quickly, anybody ever had a fight with a crazy woman? <laughs> Nobody in here, but you, you know... Anybody have a fight with a crazy woman? Men, you ever had a fight with a crazy woman? And you know, you know she crazy. You know she crazy because she, she look at you like this. She look at you like this. Yeah, yeah. Ain't nobody pointing. But there's one in the church someplace. I'm not going to point her out. Yeah, yeah, right? And you know she crazy when you say something and it take her over the edge, she already ticked off at you. But if that woman start doing this, that mean run. Because she is not looking for the anointed oil to bless you with. That mean that woman is looking for something to throw at you. And if it ain't bolted to the floor, it's fair game. I mean, literally, she like. Y'all so crazy. Why y'all getting? Yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody in here, but y'all know some crazy people like that. Right? But watch this, everybody. That's where we get into trouble. Doing and acting and reacting based on what comes naturally to us versus using the right weapon. Notice in this passage, everybody, Jesus doesn't use what comes natural. He's fully man, though he's fully God. He didn't use what was convenient. He chose to use what was effective. What was effective? The Word. He said the Scriptures say. And you say, well, Pastor Ray, how do you know it was effective? Well, look at verse 11. 
the Bible says, and then the devil went away. Yeah, and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Listen, I don't know if I got anybody here who you got a situation that the devil's all up in, but if I got somebody in the room today uh, and you really want to see transformation in your situation, you really want to get the devil off your back, out your hair, out your home, you done tried it the world's way. You done tried it your way. My question to you this morning is, have you tried like Jesus to hit Satan with what the scriptures say? Because bottom line, you hit that joker back and forth with what the scriptures say, and I promise you, eventually, that joker will hit that back pedal and get up out your situation with the quickness. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So watch this. What weapon did Jesus use in battle? He used the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But here's number two, when did Jesus use his weapon? Which I think is equally important, if not more important, than the what? Let's look again at the passage. Look at verse 1, Matthew 4. He says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness, say wilderness, to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't miss the very, not just hungry, but very hungry. And then watch this. During that time, say that time, the devil came and said to him, sup, bruh? Oh, you that dude, right? You, you, you Jesus, you, you that dude, right? That joker can't stand him. See, that's why the Bible calls the enemy, everybody, our great adversary. He doesn't call him our great adversary because he's awesome. He calls the enemy our great adversary because that joker knows when, where, how, and what buttons to push. Yeah, yeah. Now, remember, Jesus is fully man, but he's fully God. He's fully God, but he's fully man. And in this situation, the Bible says he's in the what? Say wilderness. That means the desert. So it's hot. So not only is Jesus overheated, but the Bible says... How long was he out there? 40 days, 40 nights without food. I was thinking when I was studying this, I was like, at 1030, there's some people in that group, 40 minutes, if that food ain't out the kitchen, they got a problem. They're starting to riot, right? (laughs) Jesus was in for 40, how long? 40 days and 40 nights without food. So he's weak. His strength is almost gone. He's hot. He's tired. He's vulnerable, and at the place where he's at the lowest of the low, when his strength is, 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 is little to none, here come the enemy. Yeah. And I came to say to somebody, that's exactly when the enemy is coming at you. He's not coming at you when you have full strength. He ain't coming at you when your eyes are dotted and your T's are crossed. He's not coming at you, ladies, when your husband bringing you flowers and candy every day. He's not coming at you, fellas, when your wife's saying to you, baby, I love you, you're the greatest. No, he's coming at you when all hell is breaking loose in your life, when your money is funny and your change is strange, when you got stuff happening that is not happening for you when you want it to happen, when you've missed opportunities, when doors are locked and closed and they seem like they're never going to be open, when you got sickness in your life, when you got drama going on, that's when the enemy comes at you. And he wants to see if he can get you to react 
at that time. And I want to say it like this, everybody. Um, Jesus didn't react that way. What did he do? The Bible said even when he was at his lowest, he stepped up and he says, no. Somebody say no. No. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, listen, I know this seems super elementary. We in church right now. So, of course, that's the right answer. Well, of course, Ray, Jesus fought the enemy with the word at the heat of the moment, right in the heat of the moment, right in the middle of it. But can I say to somebody, to the real people in the room, can I tell you, uh, when you at your highest point and your strength is at its lowest and your tolerance level is little to none, can I tell you that at that time, it's not always the easiest thing to do, to do what the scriptures say. Oh, God, I wish I had a, a couple of real people in the room. You know when they step up in your face and they, no, he didn't just spit on me. No, she didn't just say that. Your baby come home and she said what happened to her at school and your neck get the, what? This is what we're going to do. Let's ride out. Come on, am I talking to any real people? Right? Sometimes in the heat of the moment, he know exactly where to hit you. It's not always the easiest thing to do what the scriptures say. But isn't it interesting, everybody? That's why it is imperative. What did I just say? It is what? No, it is what? It is imperative that we're in our word every single day. It is imperative that we're on our face in prayer and we're keeping the Bible and God conscious as we're driving to work, as we're driving to school, as we're going out our day. It is imperative that we're in a small group continuing to encourage each other with like-minded individuals just trying to move in the same direction we're moving in. It is imperative that we are in church every single week or every single opportunity we get because we need that fuel. We need to make sure that we're full of the right stuff. Right, right, right. The Bible says, David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. We got to be filled up with the right stuff because bottom line is this, everybody, uh, what's in you? When life shake you, is what's going to come out of you. Let me say it like this. I'm I'm so glad y'all got that. I was on a plane on my way to liberal Kansas. Anybody ever been to liberal Kansas? Yeah, I, I appreciate one person who raised her hand, and she's my wife, and if it wasn't for me, she would have never been to liberal Kansas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because liberal Kansas is like that big. And see, in order to go to liberal Kansas, you don't go to liberal Kansas on a big plane. Yeah, you go to liberal Kansas on a small plane. That means you fly on a big plane to one area, and then you jump from a big plane to a small plane. Now, I forgot that in order to get to liberal Kansas from Chicago, you got to go through Denver on a big plane, you jump on a small plane. I was hungry, bro. And so I got to, I got to Colorado, Denver, and uh, I ate. I ate a lot. And it was some junk, but it was good. Y'all had a double quarter pounder with cheese. I had a super-sized fry. Yeah, it was terrible, but I ate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, I had, I had a big old large cherry Coke. Yeah, and I ate all of that stuff, and it was junk, and it was terrible, but it was good, right? And so I'm full of this mess, 
But then I get on this small plane. I'm talking about a plane so small when you sneeze, the thing go like this 10 feet in there. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm on this plane. And that plane started shaking. And can I tell y'all something? All of that junk that was in me, that junk started to come up. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I say that to say this, everybody. If we're not full with the right stuff, if we're not full of the word, if we're not full of his spirit, when life shakes us, that junk that's up in us is what's going to come out of us. And can I say to, you, say to y'all this? A lot of times it happens at the, at the worst possible opportunity. And many of us, if we be honest, we'd rather fight with our natural weapon initially and then put a Band-Aid on the thing after the damage has been done. Let's pray about it now. After you done cussed me out, now you want to pray about it? <laughs> right? And I say that to say this, everybody. We got to be so careful. It is strategic. The enemy is betting on you to lean on your natural weapon in the heat of the moment. Because that's when we make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. That's when we'll do some stuff that we'll regret later on. And guess what? You can't just take it back once you say it. You can't just take it back once you do it. We got to understand you won't recognize you in a battle, right, unless you, unless you realize that this thing is strategic. And so that's why, again, it's imperative that we're full of the right stuff. You cussed your boss out. And now you're unemployed. Well, I mean, but it felt good, right? Yeah, but you're unemployed. All right? Is this making sense, church? I don't want us living in regret because we do the wrong thing at the wrong time. Jesus, he was full of the word. And so because he was full of the word, even though he was at his weakest, he was able to pull it out and use it right in the heat of the moment. I told y'all, this is the hardest thing for us to do, right? But if we do it, I promise you, we'll be successful. And it won't always feel natural, but if we're full of the word, if we're full of his spirit every single day, when life shakes us, guess what? The right stuff will come out of us. Can I say this to y'all? It is the hardest challenge that we have with a ray of hope on earth with the boys that we serve. These kids are in situations uh, where they don't have a whole lot of support. There's a bunch of our boys right now. They're at a uh, graduation right here. They're graduating. That's a graduation dinner. This is them graduating. I'm so proud of them. Yeah, this is our youth football camp. We use football to really impact kids and talk to them about Jesus. But when we're in our sessions like we're in right now, some of our kids, everybody, they wouldn't pray unless we came and helped them pray. Yeah, they, they wouldn't even know what it means to talk to God unless we wasn't there helping them understand how to communicate with God. And you guys help us do that every single week with your support and your giving. And so we want you to know that when we're working with these boys every week, we feed them physically. And so, you know, we bring them food, and so you guys help us to do that. We feed them emotionally with the tools that they need so that when they're in combat, when they have issues, they know what to do and how to do it. But we also feed them spiritually. We give them an opportunity to understand who God is and how special uh, they are in his sight. And you guys help us do that. And I just want to thank you again for your support when you give today. God bless you and appreciate you for that. Yeah. What weapon did Jesus use in battle? He used a sword 
of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When did Jesus use it? Right in the heat of the moment. Not after, not before, but right when the battle was at its hottest. Everybody, that's going to be our challenge. Can we pray it in? Uh, can we use uh, the right thing in? Can we say the appropriate words right where it hurts the most, right when it matters the most? Here's the third point, and we're going. The third thing is how did Jesus use his weapon in battle? Look at verse 17 uh, back in Ephesians, the last part. It says, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Somebody say word. Now, now for my note takers, you're really going to want to write this down because, everybody, you need to understand that there are three different he- uh, Greek words. There are three different Greek words for this word, word. Three different Greek words. The first word is the graphe. Somebody say graphe. Now, the graphe, everybody, is the written word of God. Now, of course, we know the written word is powerful. Uh, but the graphe is not the word that the Bible is using here in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 17, the second part of the verse. Uh, because, you know, even though the written word is powerful, everybody, the written word is the written word. And how many of you all know many times for a lot of people, the written word look good, but it's not being applied to their life? Have you been to somebody's house and they got the written word open on the coffee table full of dust and mold? Right, look like it ain't been touched in five years, but it's sitting there. That's the graphe, right? You ever seen the graphe in somebody's rearview mirror or rearview uh, deck of their car? Like that's the uh, burglar alarm for the, for the car? Anybody going to steal the car? The Bible in there, right? right? You ever seen people, they come to church with the graphe under their arm because it matched their outfit? I'm just kidding. You know, people like that. A baby grabbed the gold Bible because it matched my hat and my shoes. You know, they come because it's looking real good. It looked good, but it's not about a lifestyle. I'm talking to some people. You know some folk like that, right? That's the graphe. That's the graphe, all right? Let me take you, give you the second, second word. Uh, the second word is the logos. Say logos. Now, logos, everybody, is the message of the book. It is the message spoken. So you come to church, you sit in the pew, or you sit in the chair, and you listen to a pastor or a preacher give you the message of the graphe, which is the Logos. Now, the Logos is powerful because what the Logos does is it gives you information. You know, it enlightens you. It inspires you. It helps you understand maybe what you didn't understand before. But that's not the word that us Ephesians chapter 6 uses for the word word. Because how many of y'all know uh, when all hell is breaking loose in your life, in the heat of the moment, you ain't got time to go run and press, and press play on Dave uh, Clark's greatest sermons. You better have something else ready to fight with when the, when, the, when the drama is going right before you. And this is what the third word is, everybody. The third word is the rhema. Say rhema. Yeah. It's the rhema word. And rhema, everybody, is the utterance of the spoken or declared message. In other words, everybody, uh, the sword that the Spirit uses to fight off the enemy and to transform and change situations is the spoken word or the rhema of God. And so, everybody, when we talk about being battle ready, choosing your weapon, the sword that the Spirit uses, how did Jesus defeat Satan? You remember? Oh, Satan, you want me to 
turn this stone into bread. Oh, oh, oh yeah, Satan, uh, you want me uh, 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 to, 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 to jump off this cliff and the Lord to rescue me, won't let my foot get broken or anything like that. Oh, oh Satan, uh, you want me to bow down and worship you. Uh, Jesus didn't go have a Bible study. No, Jesus didn't go and, and, and press play on, on, the, on the last sermon he heard. No, what Jesus did was because uh, he was fully God, but he was fully man, but he was fully God, right? He, he was the living word, graphe, took what he knew the message, right? Because uh, he was God's messenger, and he pulled that thing out, and he started cutting that enemy by speaking the message from the written word that he already knew, the rhema, right? And why am I saying this, church? You got to get this before you leave. There is power in the spoken word of God. Yeah. I'm going to say it again. There is power in the spoken word of God. Very important. Um, um, Look at Hebrews chapter 4. It says, for the word of God is alive and what? Powerful. It is what? Sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. You need to understand that the word is sharp. It is alive. It is powerful. But watch this, everybody. Even though there's power in the spoken word, but as powerful and alive as the word is, church, you won't activate the word just because it's written down. You won't activate the word just because you heard a great message. You activate the word when you speak it. Oh, yeah, I remember. Uh, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, how did he create the heavens and the earth? He spoke it. Let there be light. And bam, it was light, right? And can I tell you, as you go all the way down creation, when God spoke it, it happened. Let me say it just like this. It happened just like he spoke it. But it didn't happen until he spoke it. (laughs) It happened just like he spoke it. But it didn't happen until he spoke it. And I say that to say to somebody again, there's power in the spoken Word of God. And you want to fight and be victorious, you got to start speaking what you know is in this book and what you understand the message communicates. Because bottom line, do not leave here without getting this point. The devil, Satan, the enemy has no authority in your life. He has no authority. Now, he has some power. But the last time I checked, ladies and gentlemen, he ain't got all power. Yeah. The only thing the enemy can do to you is he can trick you into believing about you the facts about you. And if he can trick you into believing about you the facts about you, guess what? He got you right where he wants you. What do you mean, Pastor Ray? What are the facts about me? Well, you know the stuff that you've heard. Well, well, you know you you ain't that smart. Uh, Well, you know uh, uh, you ain't as pretty as she is. Or you know you you ain't as qualified as he is. I mean, do you know who their family is? You know who their family is? That's why doors open for them, and that's why doors don't open for you. Look at who they are and look at who you is. 
if I can use a shy time vernacular right there. All right. Those are the facts. And if the enemy, and plug in anything you want to plug in right there. If the enemy can get you listening and believing the facts about you, he can get you to abort what God has called you and ordained you to operate in even before the foundation of the world began. It's a trick and it's a trap. But you better know what's true about who God says about you. What did the scriptures say about who you are? And I dare you to get equipped with who God says you are and what God says is true about you. And you take that thing and you fight that dude right back. Well, Satan, you know what? You might be right. That is true. All, I mean, those are the facts. Those are the facts. Everything that you listed, those are the facts about me. But can I tell you what's true about me? The scriptures say I am loved. The scriptures say I am redeemed. The scriptures say I am forgiven. The scriptures say I'm created in his image, so I am a masterpiece. The scriptures say God is on my side. He won't let me be ashamed. He won't let me be forgotten. The scriptures say that God is for me, and if God is for me, he is more than the world against me. Yeah. That's what the scriptures say. And everybody, I love... Well, we can start coming at them like that because then we can tell that joker to bounce. And let me say this. I'm closing. I don't think it's an accident, everybody, that in Mark chapter 4, it doesn't say that when Jesus hit the enemy with that first passage, notice that it didn't say that the enemy left him after the first time. Notice it didn't say the enemy left him after the second time. It took three times, but Jesus, to cut up that enemy before he ended up leaving. Listen, that is a figurative number. I don't want you to go home and say, all right, I'm going to give this thing three chances. (laughs) And if this thing don't work after three chances, I quit. No! Remember, we said it's a fight. It's a figurative number. It may not happen the first time. It may not happen the fifth time. It may not happen the 19th time. But I dare somebody in this room to keep cutting, to keep swatting, to keep fighting, to keep jabbing that enemy with the truth about what the scriptures say about you and about your situation. And I promise you, the enemy will do two things. The enemy will either run out or that dude going to bleed out. And you're going to be the one standing victorious. You're going to be the one saying, I'm more than a conqueror. You're going to be giving glory to God for what he did in your situation. Somebody ought to say amen. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to be a fight, though. I wonder if you guys are ready for the battle. Everybody, this is what it's going to take. Last thing I'm going to say to you. I also think that it's important for us to speak God's word, not just because of the power of how the word is activated in our situation, but lastly, everybody, because of the power that the word does for us. Because you know what happens? The more we we talk the word, the more we begin to walk the word. Yeah, the more we begin to talk it, 
the more we start walking it. We might not even believe what we're saying is true at first. I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful. Yeah. Right? You got to start declaring some stuff even if you don't really even believe it at first. And what happens is the more you start talking it, doggone it, the more you start walking it. Because the more it becomes real, the more it becomes true, the more that stuff begins to manifest, and you begin to walk it like I talk it. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it, walk it like I Come on, somebody! Yeah! That's what happens. And that's why it's so important that we do this. Folks, when you're training for victory, you got to get your workout in. Get your push-ups in, get your jump rope in, get, your, get all that stuff in. But you better be full of this right here. And you better know what it says about you, and you better be able to execute it when the time is right. That's when you're going to win, Rocky. Win. And that's what we want for every single person in this room. Amen? Amen. I want to invite, praise God, I want to invite our servers to get ready and get in position. Um, I took a little bit of time today, but I thought this message was important because I am so tired of seeing the people of God and the children of God lose. I'm so tired of seeing our faces dragging down against the ground. That is not who God created us to be. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. Huh? Uh, we, we, We are winners, right? We can't lose with the stuff that we use, but we gotta use it. And it may not happen the first time, and it may not happen the fifth time, but I promise you, you continue to speak God's truth over your life, and things will change. You gotta trust it, you gotta believe it, and you gotta work the word. The word works if you work the word, amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for teaching us the importance of fighting this fight. God, it's gonna be a fight, and it's not gonna be easy. But Lord, we know that. We are more than conquerors through you. We know that we can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives us strength. And God, we just want to be effective. So help us, God, not lean on our own understanding, not lean on our natural inclination. But we want to fight and be victorious the way you taught us to, with and through the word. What do the scriptures say about me, about my situation? And God, as we continue to cut that joker, as we continue to fight the good fight, the right way. God, I'm so grateful that that dude will fall, that dude will flee, and God, we'll give you the glory for all you've done in and through our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and let every heart say, amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us, and have a great week. 